0: Sometimes as we sing, I wonder to myself how true those songs are in our hearts. If Jesus is with me, I'll go anywhere. What a blessing to be able to sing a beautiful uh, hymn such as that. It is good to see each of you here this morning, those who are here uh, with us uh, in person, those online. We are just so thankful to be able to be here, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Each and every one of you are a blessing to me. And uh, I thank you for making your sacrifice to come together today to worship our God. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much for blessing us, for helping us, for strengthening us, for being with us, for giving us this opportunity, Lord God, to assemble to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that, and I ask that you will Help us to rid our minds of worldly thought, to think only of you and on your word and on your will and on your way. And as your word is being proclaimed to us today and we read the scriptures from the pages of your heart, we ask, Lord God, that you will help us to implant this word, that it might save our souls. These things we ask and pray and thank you for. In that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, for it be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Psalm, rather, chapter 62. I shall not be moved. We're going to finish that lesson from last week. God has truly granted to his people and to this world the greatest news of all time. The greatest, this is the greatest news of all time. And it never changes. It is always, it has forever always been the greatest news of all time. The people of God have a creator in whom we serve as our anchor. And for this reason, God's people, we can say, it is well with my soul. And though trials may come, because of the protection and security that we have in Christ Jesus, we will not be moved. Because of the greatness of our God, we will not be shaken. In Psalm 62, verse 5, the Bible says, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Oh God, my salvation And my glory rests. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Church, I encourage you. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, please. Chapter 4. I encourage you to... Continue to strive after righteousness. Continue to strive after righteous living. Honoring our God. And please, do not allow the disappointments of life that come our way. And they come. Do not allow the disappointments in life to shatter your hope in God. Disappointments in life have come from the very beginning of time. Church, we've got to just hold on to Jesus, right? Hold on to Jesus. The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning, if you will, down at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way. Aren't you glad it doesn't end right there? We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, just like the world, a little confused, sometimes bewildered with all the stuff that's going on in the world today. But though we find ourselves perplexed, we know this for sure. We're not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, they they have that little cute commercial, the Energizer battery just keeps on going and going. No, that's the Lord's church. Through all the persecution, for almost 2,000 years, it just keeps going and going and going, not because of us, because of the great God in whom we serve. And he goes on to say in verse 16, the Bible says, therefore we do not lose heart But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light afflictions producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. God is renewing us Every single day. Thank you, God. You need God's renewal. You need God's refreshing. Every day. Because, brethren, we are in a battle. Look at chapter 1. We are fighting the good fight of faith. We are trying to save our souls. And also trying to take as many with us who will come. And Second Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 3. Look at the amazing hope that we have in Christ. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a lot of comfort, right? He's the comfort of all comfort. Right, He is the comforter of all comforts that you might need in your life. Anything that goes on in your heart, in your mind, and in your life, God is able to comfort you and bring you through it. And verse 4, it goes on, in verse 5 rather, it says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. In life we are going to suffer. All people Everywhere we suffer, but Christ, with Christ, we never have to give up our hope, ever. Listen to what the text continues to say in verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You see, this is kind of where I want to get to is trusting in God. Ken said it, it is more morning. God is in control. Do we just trust in God when we're at the point of death? Or do we trust in God all the days of our lives? They they said we were were at the point. Look again at verse 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I wonder over the last several years whom it is I've been trusting in. Have I been trusting in God, or have I been trusting in myself? Listen to verse ten: Who delivered us from so great a pearl of death, and we will deliver, excuse me, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet deliver us. You also joining and helping us through our prayers, that thanks may be given by many persons in our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through. The prayers of many. And so on one hand, uh, the situation that Paul describes himself being in, that we were in despair. We, We needed God's help, and we couldn't trust in anyone else. We were brought to the point to where there was no one else in whom we could trust or depend. But wasn't that always God? Even from the beginning? Even to the point of despair? And church, I wonder sometimes in our lives if we find ourselves caught up trusting in ourselves. Turn to Acts 27, please. We find ourselves, you know, kind of going along with life, and sometimes life becomes so comfortable that we just forget about trusting in God, and we become, uh, if you will, acquainted or or comfortable with trusting in ourselves. Paul was on this journey. I want to look at this journey that he's on to Rome. He's a prisoner, and, and he's traveling with with several hundred uh, other prisoners and others who were on the ship. And they traveled through a very serious storm. And and I want to grab a verse beginning at uh, verse 9, if if you will. Verse 9. And when considerable time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them. And said to them, men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be att- uh, attended with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo of the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and, and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. You know, yeah, we-, we get, we become, you know, well, you know, okay, maybe it's going to be a, st- we see the storm. But you know, we're going we're gonna to steer around, here's our plan, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and, and we're going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and some maneuvering and we'll be just fine. We, we've got this. And then life is going well because our plans are going well. We're doing a little maneuvering in life and a little shifting of this and shifting of that until that wall comes up and trials hit us in a way we weren't quite expecting them to. Life begins to happen. And when life happens and the trial of life comes, and our plans don't quite go the way we hoped they would, or might I add or say, expected them to, then what? You see, they trusted in themselves and did not heed the advice that Paul was giving to them. Because they had skill, you see, and talent. They were good at what they've done. They've been through many storms before. We're going to be alright. Are you? Verse 18, please. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of being saved was gradually abandoned. I mean, think about it. you. Maybe you've been there before. You're out there and I mean it's dark there's darkness all around you and the waves are just swelling and it's and you look you're watching the ship and the and the waves are higher than it's a scary place to be and there's no land anywhere in sight and and it's usually raining or it's a tough place to be but who Was in control of that storm, right? I mean, you know, you see in that situation and you you want, who is in control of that storm? Who is in control of the storms in your life when they come? See, that's not the time to all of a sudden begin to trust in God. You got to trust in God now while the good times are here that will make it easier and second nature to trust in God in the storms of life. And while they were being storm-tossed and trying to figure out what in the world to do, they finally realized something. They weren't in control of anything. And it's almost like, like, not really, but kind of, Paul had this, I told you so moment. You know, in verse 21, uh, the text, the text says, and, and when they had gone on a long time without food, and you know why they weren't eating, right? You, you can't keep anything down. Sorry about that one, but that's a, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incur this damage and loss. And yet now I urge you to keep up your courage for there shall be no loss of life among you but only of this ship. And you know when you're talking to people that that's all they have in life is their home and their car and their money. It's hard to convince them that that's not it. It's not over. Trust in God, and I hope that's not all you have. I hope that we trust not in our things, but rather in our God. And Paul said, "The ship, the ship is not going to be here any longer, and all our stuff is going to go away. But you're not going to lose your lives." Verse twenty three. For this very night an angel of God, the God to whom I belong, and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Now here's something that's kind of interesting, right? The storm wasn't about the ship. The storm wasn't about the people on the ship. Except Paul. The storm wasn't about the storm itself. The storm was about the souls on the island of Malta. So God said, I'm going to use this, time, this opportunity. While I take Paul to Rome, we need to make one pit stop. We got to stop over at, in Malta. And, and Paul needs you to preach the gospel while you're there. And then y'all folks go on to, go on to Rome as you first earlier planned. See, sometimes life, when you think about life, is not always what we think it's all about. And until God opens our eyes up so that we can see the greater picture, then we can relax just a bit. I wonder sometimes this situation that we're in, what is it really all about? What is going to come out of this storm that we're in? I know nothing but good for God's people. I know nothing but good for the world. Do you trust him? Do you trust God? Listen to what he goes on to say. Verse 25. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. There's some folks there who need to be saved. God is amazing, isn't He? Yet we have to believe and trust. Turn to Psalm 34 and trust in God and know that God is absolutely amazing. And God has plans that that we have no understanding of. God has a way that we don't always surrender to. But God is always right. God always knows what's best. Even though we may not always like His plan. He always knows. What is best? And in Psalm 34 and verse 4, the Bible says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those Who fear him and rescues them. Now, when I originally planned this lesson out, I was going into a, 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 at this point, a shift into a different direction until I started reading this verse again. And then I stopped and I said, Oh, wait a minute. I cannot just run past this one. I need to stop for a minute, Lord, because I, I get it now. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. And I thought to myself, you know, as, as we're serving God, please turn to Job chapter 1. We'll start with the familiar. As we're, starting, we're serving God, God is with us, isn't he? Not necessarily ahead of us, but all around us protecting us, and guiding us, and blessing us, and watching over us. How many of us believe that? Sometimes I wonder if God's people have forgotten who God is. Because, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The God of this world right now is COVID. I mean, it's not not idolatry, I, I know that. But, you know, I mean, it's a squeaky wheel. Everything is COVID. No, everything is God. And God's people, I think we've forgotten We get so fixed into COVID. I get it. COVID-19 is here, but God is here. You know, there's so much other stuff going on right now. And I'll tell you, the greatest souls are still being lost. Right? When it says God encamps around us, I started thinking about God encamping around his people. And, And Satan having a problem with that. See, in Job 1, verse 9, uh, as you know, God and Satan are having this conversation, and in verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Do these Christians fear you for nothing, God? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and his house, and all that he has? And on every side thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land? Have we forgotten that God is the gift giver for all that we have? And that God is, is surrounding us and protecting us. Exodus chapter 14, please. And that there are trials in life and there are struggles that we go through, but it's God who's surrounding us and protecting us and carrying us through. Sometimes we forget about God. We get so wrapped up in the world and worldliness and worldly activities that we just, we just forget about God. We're human. We do that. We forget about God for just, for just a moment. You know, David, the great servant of God. Looked over at, 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 you know, Uriah, uh, the Hittite's wife, Bathsheba, and he forgot about God. And it wasn't until Nathan the prophet came and talked to him that he remembered God. Church, make sure our focus comes back to God. Israel forgot about God. The Hebrews forgot about God. They got to the, the, if you will, the the sand on the seashore, and, and at the sea, they forgot about God. And what they do? Verse 10. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not... The word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And if I remember correctly, I think they were groaning to God, weren't they? Saying, please rescue us. We forget sometimes, don't we? And now they're groaning again. Why do you just leave us in the place we were groaning, in the place that we hated? So that we could... But we just don't like it, God. (laughs) Right? You know, when you don't know what to say, you just start saying, just talk just to talk. Not to God. Keep God in the center of your lives. Verse 14 says... 13, rather. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will... Never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. You know, what I'm reminded of turn to Second Kings, please, chapter six. I'm re- I'm reminded of um, of Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. I'm reminded of that when I think about this this service to the Lord. I'm reminded of of Daniel in the in the lions den. And you start reading that text and and then realize the, the vicious and ferociousness of those, those lions. I'm, I'm reminded of God just surrounding his people with, with his love and compassion and protection. And I know God doesn't change, right? So it reminds me of God surrounding his people with his love and compassion and protection. I'm reminded of this young lad who, who doesn't quite understand. Not yet. But see, Elisha was in one place. Spiritually speaking. And the young lad just wasn't there yet. And the young lad wakes up in the morning and he goes outside and he looks into, uh, around him and he sees the Arameans surrounding him, this, this vicious, vicious army surrounding him. And he's like, what are we going to do? Verse 15 of chapter 6, please. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And, and, and so I wonder sometimes if we think about the fact that God who is with us is greater than anything we'll ever go through. Anything. And life is tough. Life, life deals... Out some, some devastating blows. But we're not destroyed, church. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Everything Everything was going to be all right. So here's what we have to do. Turn to Revelation, please, chapter 21. Here's what God asks us to do. God asks us to stand strong, right? Just, just one more day, right? Just stand strong today. And then, and then God bless us with, with rest, a restful night. And then if tomorrow comes, stand strong one more day. And just keep on one more day until God comes home and gets us, right? Just stand strong. Do the best that you can do. But you got to give it your all, right? I mean, be your best. Be your best Christian. Stand strong for the Lord. Just do one day at a time, right? Because God doesn't want us to be cowards. God doesn't want us to run around like the world. He wants us to be examples to the world of what it's like to be a Christian, to be with God. God says in verse 8 of Revelation 21, He says, But of the cowardly, there's that word, right? The cowardly, right? The fearful. But of the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake. That burns a fire and brimstone, which is a second death. In other words, God is saying, You you gotta be strong if you're going to be a Christian. Don't trust in yourselves, though. Trust in God. Right? See, when you become a Christian, you, you learn to 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 no longer trust in self. You we learn to trust. To trust in God. Isn't that what God told Joshua? Joshua chapter one, please. You know he, he, as 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 the torch is being passed over. As mentioned earlier, you got to be strong, right? you got to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might, church. God is not asking you to do it on your own. He's not asking us to, to be strong within ourselves. He's saying, be strong and trust in me. Just trust me. Verse 6 of Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Just stay with the Lord. Just just keep doing His will. Just continue to be an example. Just keep on following Him. Just keep on honoring Him. Just keep on trusting Him. Be strong in your heart, in your relationship with God. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. say, God, how many times are you going to tell me that? As much as I need. As many times as necessary. Like, if you will... Like Gideon, Judges uh, chapter, chapter seven. You know, when, when it's time to go to war, and we we need to think about the spiritual battle, right? To fight against Satan, to fight for our souls, right? For our own pers- our own souls, and then for the souls of of others. And declaring of God's word, and staying true and faithful to Christ, being strong in the Lord. But here's the problem we learn this in all walks of life in a physical way. we also understand it from a spiritual perspective. The strong the weak bring negativity right The weak will say things like, well we can't we can't do this we're you know we're, we we're not going to make it through this." The, the weak say things like um, well um, uh, you know we we don't we don't we can't, we won't." We will never. But but the strong who, who are not depending on themselves say things like, you're right, we, we can't. But I know someone who can. God will. God can. God always wins. God never loses. God's will will always be done. Let it be done in your life. Right? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of our might. And, and Judges 7 Gideon brought all these folks with him. But God doesn't need a whole lot of folks. and God wants a whole lot of folks. But he doesn't need a whole lot of folks. Not to do his will. But he wants as many as he can get. As many as will come. In verse 2, The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. Lest Israel become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. God doesn't want you to start trusting in yourself giving yourself credit, right? Give it to God. So he says this. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever's afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from the Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people return, but 10,000 remain. He says, if you're fearful, go home. The, the church, the church, turn to Acts 7, please. We'll begin to, to wrap this up. The church stood strong. And through all of its adversity, through all of the, the trials, through all of the struggles, the church stood strong. Church, are, are we standing strong? I mean, Rome's not knocking on the door coming to take our heads off, Right? I mean, are we standing strong? Or are we running fearfully? I mean, with wisdom, you know, we should we should do the things that we ought to we ought to do to protect ourselves and others. But are we standing strong? Or are we terrified? So I'm reminded of God encircling us. And it takes me to the church. And it takes me to Stephen. In verse 54, when they heard his sermon, they didn't like it too much. (laughs) And when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and began gnashing their teeth at him. And being full of the Holy Spirit, He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus says, I'm I'm with you, Stephen. I'm standing with you. Two times in the Bible, Jesus stands up on the throne. He stands up. He says, I'm with you, Stephen. Stand strong. Keep on preaching, Stephen. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, covering their ears, and they rushed upon him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witness laid aside the robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. He just preached all the way to his death. And you keep reading, and the apostles stood. Chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions in Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They stood strong. And like I said earlier, the church doesn't die. God promised it wouldn't. It just grew stronger. In verse 2, And some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentations over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and he would put them into prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. In other words, they didn't cower down through the persecution. They just kept on preaching. Church, I'm asking you tonight, or this morning rather, are you still Preaching. Turn to Second Timothy, please, chapter uh, chapter four, and then one more scripture, and I'll let you go. Are you still talking about Jesus? For every negative, you got Jesus. Well, you know, I don't know this this COVID thing's been. I know, but we have Jesus. Well, you know, this thing's been around for a long. I know, but we have Jesus. You just got to keep on preaching, church. Are you preaching, church? Are you teaching? Because I'm, I'm telling you, I can't think of a better time to preach Jesus than right now when everyone's in, in this doom and gloomy mindset, if you will. Let's not be like them. Let's be like Jesus. They kept preaching in the midst of the persecution, even to their deaths. And Paul says in verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 4, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God has a plan for us. It doesn't end here. Remember a few weeks ago. We're just passing through. Have we forgotten that? Psalm 34. Back to Psalm 34. let's close this lesson off. "The saints stood. Church, we have to stand. It's our duty as Christians. Verse eight says, "O taste and see." That the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It is not just our duty, it is our love. Our love for God and our love for humanity. Verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This morning, church, the invitation is yours. If you would like prayers made in your behalf, the lesson is yours. We can pray for you or pray with you. We ask you to make that known. If you're not a child of God, the invitation is yours. The lesson is yours. Today is the day of salvation. The invitation to surrender your life to Christ in the waters of baptism. Having heard his word and believed, having godly sorrow in your heart, making that confession that you believe Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God, being baptized immersed in water for the remission of your sins. If there is anything that we can do for you, please, let it be known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.